today in part six, I want to talk to you about amazing rebirth. Amazing rebirth for your notes. Uh, rebirth is a weird word, and we'll talk about it in a second. But if I asked all of you, if I stood at that exit door and over here at this exit door at the end of service, and I questioned every one of you and said, are you going to heaven when you die? Most of you would say yes. If I said, are you 100% sure that you are saved? You would say, I think so. If I said, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? You would say, uh, yeah, yeah. And then if I said something like this, um, how do you know? You might say something like, well, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. Well, listen, the demons believe in God and believe in Jesus. So I need more than that. You say this, well, I try to be a good person. Okay, you try to be a good person. Are you comparing your goodness to society, to the 21st century of America, to the world? Or are you comparing your goodness to the Bible and God's standards? Um, if I said to you, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? You would say, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, why I try to be a good person. Okay, good persons is not what goes to heaven. Um, people who try to be good persons is not what gets you into heaven. Uh, point number one is this, you must be born again. You must, you must, you must be born again. I hope you are not risking all of eternity. I mean all of eternity on whether or not you're going to be with your loved ones who were saved, all of eternity on, I think so, I hope so, I try to be a good person. You must be born again. So John chapter 3, I'm going to show you where I get this point. John 3, 1 through 5, we are dealing with a man named Nicodemus. Everybody say Nicodemus. I want you to remember that for the end of the sermon. There was a Pharisee or a Jewish leader, and let me, let me, let me contextualize this. Uh, there was a good Christian leader in a church, a good church, in, a leader in church. And his name was Nicodemus, and he came to Jesus at night. And that's very important. You realize that. He didn't go to him during the day because he didn't want the Sanhedrin to see that he might have thought that Jesus is the Son of God. So he's trying to hide it. In other words, he's not yet ready to tell the world that he believes. He's still kind of hiding it from some people. He goes to Jesus at night, and he says, Rabbi, or teacher. Now, this word is only found a few places in the New Testament Gospels, and I'm going to show you another place in a little bit. It's a very rare word that only a few people used. We know that you've come from God, for no one can do these miracles unless God be with them. Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth. Now, he just paid Jesus a great compliment, and then Jesus says, you're going to hell. I'm telling you the truth. Unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, and this is a great question, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter his mother's womb again and be born? Jesus said, I assure you, unless a man is born of water, there's natural birth, and the Spirit, there's being born again spiritually, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be surprised when I tell you, you must be born again. Okay, let's talk about Nicodemus. So, Nicodemus had some really good qualities about him, and I want us to discuss these qualities and see if you possess some of them. One of the qualities was Nicodemus believed in Jesus and God, okay? If you're in this room and you believe in Jesus and God, can you just say amen? amen. Okay, good. So we're on the same page there. Uh, Nicodemus attended church every week. If you attend church every week, say hallelujah. hallelujah. 
Okay, it got a little bit quieter. Uh, Nicodemus prayed every single day. Now, he didn't think every day. He didn't meditate. He prayed. There's a difference between meditation and prayer. He prayed out loud every day. If you pray out loud every day, say, I do. I do. It's getting quieter. <laughs> okay, Nicodemus tithed. Every single week. That means the first 10% of his income went directly to his local church. If you tithe every week, say, yes, Lord. Lord. Okay, it's getting good, good, good. Okay, Nicodemus fasted twice a week. Now, hold on. If you have fasted twice in your lifetime, say, I do. do. (laughs) Nicodemus memorized... The first five books of the Old Testament. Every single scripture in the first five books. It was required for someone on the member of the Sanhedrin Council. First, he remembered every word of the first five books. Now, if you can just tell me the first five books of the Old Testament in order, do it now. Ready, go. Genesis. Whoa, that got quiet in here. Okay, now I have a question for you. I know this is Socasty English, so just give, bear with me. Who is gooder? You or Nicodemus? Think about it. I want to think about it. Who is gooder? And of everyone in this room, you, anyone in this room, you can point to anybody in this room. You don't have to choose yourself. You can choose someone. Who is gooder? Someone in this room or Nicodemus? Nicodemus. Now listen. Let me tell you. Look, we don't know that. We don't know that. I didn't say who's saved. I said who's gooder. Who's gooder, Betty or the devil? I'm just kidding. Okay, 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 okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, so listen. Listen. Calm down. Calm down. Listen. Y'all are first service people. Y'all handle stuff like this very well. Jesus just told a man who does all of those things, you're going to hell unless you're born again. Unless you're born again. Now, let me tell you a really scary point. Most people are not born again. To be, I can show you biblically where most people, and you know, um, out of all the, the nations in the world, the uh, United States claims to have more Christians than any other nation, okay? And look at how our nation is doing. Okay, now, now think about other nations, okay? Now, I'm going to show you a scripture, ready? Matthew 7, 13 through 14, watch this. Enter into the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction or hell, and there are, what's that word? Many people who enter through it, but the gate to life is narrow. And what's that word? Few people find. Okay, I'm not, I know we're not in school, but let me give you a math English question. What is more, many or few? Okay, Jesus just said there are more people in hell than there are heaven. Now, judging by most funerals, we think everybody's in heaven, right? If you ever want to see a pastor lie, Bold-faced lie to everybody in the congregation. Just attend a funeral. Because they'll say about every person in that casket, so-and-so's in a better place. And then you think, well, I knew so-and-so. So-and-so didn't serve God, cussed like a sailor, slept with everybody that came to his So-and-so, if so-and-so's in heaven, then guess what? I know I'm going to heaven if they're in heaven. And we think everybody's going. Isn't that right? Listen, I've done... I've um, either preached, played, or attended over 100 funerals in my life. And I'm only 40 years old. And um, out of every funeral, every pastor said that but one. 
One time I was at a funeral and it, I, it was here in Myrtle Beach. And I, I kid you not, I'm on the piano just, you know, I'm getting paid to do my thing. I don't even know the person. They just called me up. And the son gives the eulogy. And the son stands up here and he says this. He says, most of y'all in here made a fortune off my father. He made you rich. He did this, he did this. But all of you know he's in hell right now. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was just ducking down like this and no one would be taking pictures. It was intense, but I'll tell you, I bet some people got saved out of that. But either way, it, here's the point is, you must be born again. You must, you must, you must, must be born again. So, um, here's what I want to do. I want to do a little skit to kind of help us see how we judge each other. So my volunteers, come over here to the side of the stage. And I have two, so don't clap for them yet because you don't know what they're going to do. But anyway, here's what I got. On this side of the congregation, y'all are on the side of ultimate evil. Okay, that's the side y'all are on. <laughs> on this side of the congregation is ultimate good can everybody see these okay right this is y'all ultimate good ultimate evil. now just no no you're in the right place betty uh just placed on just based on just based on actions okay just based on choices of life just based on how they lived i want you guys to help me put um, is our, this is our scale. I want you to help me put where these people go. So here, I'm going to let you be Billy Graham. So you come over here, and y'all point your hands left to right. Tell me where Billy Graham should go on this scale. This way? Okay, keep going. Keep, keep going? Keep going. Keep going? Right there. Okay, okay. Come on over here. You're over here. And um, let's see. Uh, you're going to be Bill Clinton. So here's where, where, where do y'all, okay, point, point. Oh, come on. You see, these people are crazy. Okay, we're right here, right here. Let me just say this. Thank God y'all aren't God. Let me just say that, okay? Okay, next, come on up. Ellen DeGeneres. Let me just say, who's giving more money to humanity, you or Ellen DeGeneres? On this side of Bill Clinton? Okay, right here, right here. Wow, that shocked me. That actually shocked me. Wow, okay, come on up. Okay, now, you don't know who these people are, so let me tell you who they are. Uh, Emmanuel and Gary, these two, and I don't mean to bring the house down, but just stay with me. Uh, these two people murdered someone because of the color of their skin. Uh, Gary was on a train in, um, in, in England, I think it was, and he saw someone of the opposite color of himself, and simply because the person was of opposite color, he pulled out a knife and stabbed him twice and murdered him. The young boy that he murdered was a straight-A student, a good kid. All he saw was his skin, and he admitted, that's why I killed him. Uh, Emmanuel walked into a church, and his goal was to kill ten people of opposite color. He killed one with a gun, tried to kill the rest, but it didn't, um, it didn't happen. They took him down. But that was his goal, to kill ten people of opposite color. So where should these murderers go to? Hold this. Now, let me just say this. Would it matter if I told you if the victims were white and the murderers were black or the victims were black and the murderers were... Okay, I just want to make sure you understand that. Which way are we going? All the way over. I'm sorry, Katie. Even more, you put her outside. Okay, okay. Which I will say, Gary, um, Gary was white, Emmanuel was black. So I, I, both of them, same. Okay, come on, this way. Okay, now, ready? Here's y'all's turn. Where do y'all belong? Now, based on y'all's, and y'all know each other, based on what the way y'all live your life, right here? So y'all belong on this side of Ellen DeGeneres, Bill Clinton, and these people here, right? Okay, okay, that's enough. 
Where does this sign belong? Tell me. Point. We stopped pointing now, didn't we? Everybody got quiet in here now, huh? Right here? Right there. Right here. Where did, I'm, 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 I'm letting you be the judge. I know I'm not saying what do you want. Where do you think they belong? Okay, I want y'all to sit the names down flat where you're standing and y'all can walk off stage. Y'all give them a big hand clap. They did a good job. Good job. Good job. Okay, let me show you where this sign belongs. This sign actually belongs right here. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person on earth, Jesus gave his life for. The good ones, the bad ones, the ugly ones, and any of these people have a right to be right here if they are willing to receive Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. This is where the sign actually belongs. Every single person on that side, every one of them deserve this. Every one of them. Every single one of them was born going to hell. And if not for what Jesus did, every one of them would be there. So quickly, we judge people based on just a few things we know about them. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? But at ourselves... We put ourselves on a hold. In fact, we don't even judge ourselves by Jesus' standard. We judge ourselves by what everybody else has done. I'm better than them. <laughs> Man, I'm better than you. Don't, let me tell you some good things that I've done in my life. You must be born again. Number two is this. You're not good enough. You're not good enough to go to heaven. You're not good enough. If I asked you today, are you good enough to go to heaven? Here's what you would say. You would say, I'm not good enough to go to heaven, but you would think this. I'm not bad enough to go to hell. I'm not good enough for heaven. I'm not bad enough to go to hell. Here's the problem with that. Good is not God's standard for heaven. Perfect is his standard for heaven. Good is not even good enough. The goodest you could possibly be is still not good enough to get into heaven. So the other passage I had you turn to was Mark chapter 10. And it's the story of the rich young ruler. And you actually see that in your Bible. Most likely it will say rich young ruler. Remember that. Who was the first person we talked about in the first story? Good job. And, who, and this one is called the rich young ruler. Okay. Uh, Mark 10, 17 through 22. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees and said, good teacher. Now that word good teacher is the exact same word as the word Nicodemus used. Remember that. What good thing must I do? The emphasis once again on is what's good. How can I be good? What's the good thing I can do? How can I earn heaven? What's the good thing I can do? And so, uh, to have eternal life. Jesus said this, No one is good except God alone. Let me just stop right there. No one. Billy Gray, no one. Mother Teresa, no one. My dad, no one. No one. No one, not even the person you're thinking of, is good. no one is good except for God. Because when you think someone's good, you're judging them by what's going on in your society or what you see on Facebook. Or, well, you know what? They're a good person. Compared to what? Compared to a perfect, all-powerful, knowing God? You think they're good compared to Him? Well, not compared to Him. 
But compared to most of the world, compared to people in other countries, compared to the people that live horrible lifestyles, yeah, they're good compared to them. You know the commandments, Jesus said. And it's funny, Jesus decided to walk down this path with them. So interesting. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet, and honor your father and mother. Now real quick, how many commandments did Jesus list? I want you to count them. Count them in your Bibles, count them on the handout, count them on the screen. How many did he list? How many? Six. Six. Read it again. He listed six. I just taught you an entire series on the commandments. How many sections are there of the commandments? Two sections. And what are they divided into? Our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And how many did he list? Six. In fact, when they said to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, well, there's two. Love and love. Okay, so even Jesus broke them into two. But Jesus listed six. Did Jesus list six commandments because he forgot the other four? Jesus listed the six commandments that have to do with our relationship with mankind. And that's very important because the man said this. Oh, man, I've done all of those since I was a boy. Again, he's gooder than most of us. Jesus looked at him and loved him enough to tell him this. Man, you already broke the first commandment. Don't have any other gods before me. You can do everything right with everybody on planet Earth, but listen, there's something in your heart that has taken a higher place than God. And Jesus looked at him and told him, one thing you lack. Now, I bet when he said there's one thing you lack, I bet the guy thought, oh, that's it? Oh, I can do it. Tell me. Go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and take up your cross Follow me. The man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he was very rich. Jesus said, listen, I've looked inside of your heart, and there's something in there that you have not surrendered to God. There's something, you, there's something you love more than God, and in his case, it was possessions. Man, it's so, I think that this whole level of judgment and good is so funny. Even with our kids, I've told my kids before, did you hit your brother? And you'll see them think about it. And, I didn't hit him. Well, why is he crying? Well, I kicked him. Okay, okay. Why did you kick him? Well, I didn't mean to kick him. You didn't mean to? I mean, I didn't mean to kick him in the head. Where did you mean to kick him? I just meant to trip him. Okay, it's still bad. It's still bad. Even when you try to make it sound like you're... It's still bad. He went away sad for he was very rich. Let me show you a very important scripture. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me just say this. This says this. There are people who think they're saved, but they're not. Listen. There are people who think they're saved. Listen. They think it. They're deceived. They think they're saved. They think. They, with everything in them, they actually think they are saved. How do we know that's not one of us? How do we know? Well, let's see what type of people he's talking about. Surely he's talking about people in the nightclubs, the bars, prostitutes. I'm sure that's who he's referring to, right? On Judgment Day, many, there's that word, will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? No, wait, I've never seen that in a bar before. Did we drive out demons? I haven't seen that at the workplace. Did we do many mighty works in your name? The only place things like that happen are in church. And not some, you know, dead church where every, you know, no one pays attention and they fall asleep. This is an active church. An active church. But Jesus said, I'll tell them openly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you wicked people. Now, you know how theologians debate once saved, always saved versus you're saved and you lost your salvation. 
I don't have a dog in that fight, but I will say this. If you were going to argue one of those, this scripture says that Jesus tells them, I never knew you. Not, I used to know you, you messed up really bad, and I stopped knowing you. Jesus said, I never knew you. I never knew you. You were actively involved in a church. You did good things every Sunday, but you never knew me, and I never knew you. You knew all about God. You had it up here in the mental part of you, but your heart did not belong to Him, and He'll say, depart from me. What are the scariest words we could ever hear from an all-loving God? Depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. If, if, if many people who are actively involved in church are going to hell, how many more just attend church? This is a serious... I, I know I told you we were going to have fun today. <laughs> we're going to have more fun a little bit. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to just judge these people over again if that's okay, okay? Let's start with Billy Graham. We think, that they, we, 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 we think he's in heaven. We do. But what if I change his name to Nicodemus? I mean, Billy Graham didn't have the first five books of the Bible memorized. He didn't fast twice a week. So if we change the name to Nicodemus, would he be in heaven or hell? I don't know, and I'm not going to tell you yet what I think. But I just want you to think about it. Nicodemus. If we go to Ellen DeGeneres, what if we change her name to Rahab? The prostitute. Prostitute. She didn't just live sexually immoral because she thought she liked somebody. She did this as a job every single day. This was her life. This was her life. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that she's in heaven. She's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Okay, what about Bill Clinton? What if we change his name to Samson? An incredible leader who had a problem with women. A liar, a cheat, but he was a good leader. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that he's in heaven. He belongs over there. Uh, what about Emmanuel and Gary? Let's change his name to Moses. Who murdered a man in cold blood simply because he was Egyptian. And the Bible tells us that Moses is in heaven. Okay, what about all of you? Where are you going? Well, let me just tell you about the disciples of Jesus. Some of them cussed. They had anger issues. One of them lost his temper so bad he cut off somebody's ear. But the Bible says in Matthew 4.20, they left everything they had. Put it on the screen. And they followed Jesus. They left everything. And they followed Christ. Number one, you must be born again. Number two... Number two, you're not good enough. Let me read you a poem and then we'll go to number three. I was shocked, bewildered, confused as I entered through heaven's door. Not by the beauty of it all or the lights or the decor, but it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp. The thieves, the liars, the alcoholics, and the trash. There stood that kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Ralph, who I always thought was rotten away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus, man, what's the deal? I need to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? Did Father God make a mistake? Why is everybody so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Hush, my child, Jesus said. They're all in shock. For no one thought they'd be seeing you. <laughs> Crazy, huh? We don't know who's up there. We're not the judge. I just hope we make it up there. Okay, number three. Now, number one and number two come together with number three. Here's number three. God requires your entire heart. You must be born again. That's good news. You can be born again. The bad news is, is you're not good enough. But here's what connects the two. God requires 
your entire heart, as he should. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, that's works, right? Aren't you talking about doing works? No, no. I'm saying that when someone actually believes something, they act on it. When they believe something, if you really believed that if you, if you start your car up when you leave church, that there's a bomb and it's going to blow up, you wouldn't start your car because you really believe that. If you really believe it, you act on it. We say we believe things in our head, but salvation is a heart issue. Uh, there's a famous um, musical called Fiddler on the Roof. And it's about this, um, this couple. They've been married 25 or 30 years. And uh, their marriage was arranged. They did not meet each other till the day they got married. And they talk about in the musical how they were nervous and, you know, shocked and all that. And um, it was tradition. It was tradition. But their marriage turned out really great and they had five daughters. And it was now time their daughters were of age so they could now choose the daughter's husbands. We're going to arrange y'all's marriage just like ours was arranged. And the daughter said, no, no. We've fallen in love. They said, love? Forget love. I'm going to tell you who you're going to marry. They said, no, dad, mom, please. We found the boys of our dreams. We want to marry them because we love them. So the daughters go upstairs, and the husband and wife are sitting there, and it's a musical. And as they're sitting there, the husband begins to think about love and how his marriage was arranged. And they've spent many years together, but he asks his wife, he says, do you love me? And she says, Love? Oh, be quiet. He says, no, honey. Do you love me? I, 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 I bore you five children. But do you love me? I've, I've, I've been with you in sickness and health, when we were poor, when we, when we were well off. But do you love me? And she sings, I cooked and I cleaned and I took care of children and I, I make you dinner every night and I work with you every day. But do you love me? Here's what she's saying. I prophesied in your name. I attended church. I sang in the choir. I served in Sunday school. I did it. I was an usher. I, I tithed every week. I prayed. But do you love me? Jesus, I did all these things for you. This is, but do you love me? And I can hear God up in heaven singing that today. Do you love me? Well, you know, God, I, 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 go to, I listen to the sermon. I read my Bible. But do you love me? Do you love me? Don't pretend like you don't know what love is about. Do you love me? Do you love me more than anything else in the world? Do you love me? That's what he's asking today. That's what he's saying. It's not a head thing. It's a heart thing. And you know what that's like. You know what that's like. You know what it's like. You know the end of the story of the rich young ruler. I read it to you. I want to read you again. Verse 21 in Mark 10 says this, Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said this, there's one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, take up your cross, follow me. The man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he was very rich. I have a question for you today. Would you sell everything you have and give it away if that was your ticket into heaven? Would you? Would you sell everything you have and give it away if that was your ticket into heaven? Okay, here's my question. Here's my real question. Have you? I don't mean if you literally dispersed your assets. I mean, who's the owner? Have you given everything to God? Your children, your marriage, your desires, everything. You know, the Christians who say they've given 100% to God are the same Christians that argue about 10%. That blows my mind. 
the very one, oh, I've given everything to God, and I'm going to do great things in ministry, and I'm going to get, oh, man, I have all these great things, I want to help God. But you argue about 10%? You argue about the tithe? That just, I don't even understand that. There are two misconceptions, and I'm closing with this. Now, this is the part of the sermon that I love. You might not like it, but pretend like, for me, this is going to be your favorite part, okay? This is the theological part, okay? Just pretend. There are two misconceptions about the story of the rich young ruler. Two misconceptions. The first one is, did Jesus tell him he had to sell everything he had and give it away to go to heaven? Did Jesus say that? No. Jesus said, if you want treasures in heaven, sell everything you have and give it away. Look at the scripture, right? He didn't say this is what gets you into heaven. He said, remember we talked about this last week, rewards in heaven. If you want want treasures in heaven, then you need to disperse your assets and give it away is what Jesus told him. Then what did Jesus say he actually had to do to go to heaven? The same thing you and I have to do. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Same thing. Matthew 16, 24, if any man wants to come with me, let him deny himself or his own interests. Take up his cross and follow me. If you give up your life for me, you will find life everlasting. The one thing for him that was stopping him from taking up his cross and following Jesus, the one thing for him was his possessions. Here's my question. What's the one thing for you? What is the one thing stopping you from taking up your cross and following Jesus Christ? Is it a relationship that you know you should not be in? I mean, you know it. You know it is hindering your relationship with God. Is it it an unhealthy piece of your soul that Jesus has been trying to take from you for years and you keep taking it back? Is it an addiction? Pornography, drugs, alcohol. What is the one thing? Is it a pride issue? Is it a dream that you've had for decades and you want it so bad and it's taken the place of Christ in your life? And this one thing, you think about it, you pray about it, you dream about it. God, why won't you do this? And God said, I have so much more than that for you, but you got to give it to me. you got to take up your cross and follow me. Stop making it about yourself. Stop getting offended so easy. Stop, oh, man, I'm not getting my way today. It's not about you anymore. So that's the first misconception. This is the second misconception. That the rich man did not sell everything and give it to the poor. That's a misconception, I believe. There's a famous historian named Josephus Ben-Gurion who writes, I want you to think about the rich young Lord. It says he walked away sad. Be honest. If Jesus told you to sell everything give it away, you'd walk away sad too. Every one of us will walk away sad, okay? But it doesn't say he didn't do it. Josephus Ben-Gurion was a famous historian and he wrote about a man who was the richest, youngest ruler in all of Jerusalem. He had so much wealth that all the inhabitants of Jerusalem could live off of his wealth alone for one full decade, for ten years. That's how rich this guy was. The most powerful and the youngest ruler in the entire Sanhedrin, which is the Supreme Council of Jews. Youngest, richest, Pharisee. His name, Josephus was actually writing about his brother. His name was Nicodemus Ben-Gurion. In John chapter 3, 
Nicodemus goes to Jesus at night because he doesn't want anyone to see. Jesus says, listen, man, you're going to hell. You need to be born again. Nicodemus uses the same word in John 3 that the rich young ruler uses, the, the, the good teacher, rabbi word. In John 7, Nicodemus, you can read in your Bible, he steps up and he defends Jesus in front of all of his peers. Remember, at first he goes to him at night. Now he stands before everybody. Amen. Everyone and says, no, this man's legit. He is real. He's the guy. They kick him out of the Sanhedrin council, just like that. In John 19, Nicodemus accompanies his best friend, Joseph of Arimathea, to the tomb of Jesus to embalm his body. Here's my question. If Nicodemus was the richest, youngest ruler in all of Jerusalem, why didn't he put Jesus in his own tomb? Why did he ask his best friend, Joseph of Arimathea, can Jesus use your tomb? Why didn't Nicodemus just buy him a tomb with all of his money? Because Josephus writes that after Nicodemus was kicked out of the Sanhedrin, he then sold everything he had, gave it to the poor, and became a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, theologians are not 100% sure if Nicodemus is in fact the rich young ruler. But I'm going to ask him one day when I see him in heaven. Because we know Nicodemus professed Jesus. We know he became a disciple of Christ. And I believe he sold everything he had and followed Jesus Christ. Now here's my question. Have you given everything to God? I mean everything.